Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. And the scripture says, When they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. Then some of the teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about? Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whatever the spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. He replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. The father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. When the crowd saw, or when Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. Then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet, and he stood up. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, Why couldn't we cast out the evil spirit? Jesus replied, This kind can only be cast out by prayer. So there's a lot happening in this story, um, a lot of different perspectives you can look at it from, but today we're going to focus mainly on the Father and Jesus' interaction, and we'll talk a little bit about the disciples as well, but we're really going to be focusing on what um, went down between the Father of this boy and Jesus. So at the point where Jesus encounters the Father, um, the best word I can find to describe the Father is that he was desperate. Um, We don't know exactly how long the son had been having these convulsions um, and had been possessed by the spirit, but we know that it had been a while because the father implies that by saying, since he was a little boy. And for those of us who have children that we've seen sick or friends or parents or um, other relatives that we've seen sick and know there's nothing we can do to help them, that is a desperate place to be. When you know that you can't do anything, but you so desperately want to. You just feel helpless. And that is where um, this father was. It's pretty safe to assume that this isn't the first time he had tried to help his son. Um, We can assume he had gone through other methods to try to get the spirit to leave his son, and they had been unsuccessful. Um, And so at this point, he's at his last option. He doesn't know what else to do, so he comes to Jesus, this new guy on the scene that maybe has a chance of healing him. And he shows up first, and Jesus is gone, remember, and so the disciples are there. 
and he asks for their help. And it was a reasonable request to ask the disciples to drive the spirit out. They had been successful at this previously. So when they failed, you can imagine his desperation would have even gone up further. Like, this was my hope, and they haven't been able to help me. Like, do I have any hope left? And um, his only chance now is if Jesus comes back and is able to drive the spirit out. And you can imagine that he's tried so many other things, and he's like, can I even dare hope that Jesus might be able to do this? And so his desperation is the prevailing tone at the beginning of the story. Does he even dare hope that Jesus could drive this spirit out of his son that he loves? And in our journey, Blake and I weren't dealing with needing to drive a spirit out of a child, um, but we were also desperate. For those of you who don't know, um, we began our journey to adoption um, back around Christmas time. And it's taken some turns in different directions. And um, in April, we became eligible to adopt. And so we started being presented to birth moms um, as a potential choice for her to select us to raise her child. And April to July is not a long time, but it is forever when you are waiting and when you are constantly holding your breath to find out if you're going to get that yes call that day. Um, When you're constantly holding your breath because when you get that yes call, you have to get on a plane probably within a couple weeks. Um, And so we waited. And as we waited and waited and waited, our excitement waned and our desperation increased. Um, We were running out of hope that Jesus was going to fulfill the promise he had made to us. And um, it was a different circumstance, but it was the same feeling that the father in the story had. Um, We barely had enough to keep believing and to keep trusting, just like this father did. And that doubt that the father had, that doubt that we had, if we're being honest, we all have that doubt at some point in our lives. Because we're humans, we doubt. Because we can't physically see something or know exactly how something's going to happen, which is how our brains are wired to function. We like to know what's going to happen next. We start to doubt. And um, if you're doubting today, I want to encourage you that we all experience it, and it's normal. That doesn't mean we have to live there, but it's normal. So be encouraged by that. Um, But doubt can come from not seeing what you think should happen happen. It can come... um, from just exhaustion of waiting and waiting and waiting. It can come from outside voices, whether they mean to or not. Outside voices can make you start to doubt what you know God has for you. Um, One of those ways is a lot of people on our journey would ask us, you know, why are you doing it this way and not foster care? And I can't tell you how many times that seed of doubt, even though we knew exactly what God had called us to, that seed of doubt would kind of start to take root. And no one meant any ill will by that. It was just a question. But Satan uses that to grow that seed of doubt. Um, And sometimes Satan uses things that you don't even think would cause seeds of doubt. Maybe you're 
you know, just watching TV or something, and something can speak to you and grow that seed of doubt. And so know that that doubt comes from all sorts of outside places, not from God, but outside places, but God is ready to meet you with that doubt and walk through that doubt with you, which is what he did with the Father in our story. If you um, recall as we read through, Jesus shows up and says, what's going on, guys? Why are we fighting? Why are we shouting? Why are we arguing with each other? And the dad speaks up and says, I brought my son to you. I brought my son to your disciples. They can't heal him. Jesus had the ability right then and there to heal the son. He had the ability. He's God. He can do whatever he wants. But instead, he took that moment to meet that father where he was at and just to spend time with him. He said, What's going on? Let him explain. Then he asked a follow-up question. How long has this been happening? He let the father explain again. He took opportunity to teach and be near the father. He drew in close to him and walked that road with him. And so he says, when he gets to the point of saying, if you can do this, you know, the father says, God will, or Jesus, if you can do this, and Jesus said, I can do it, but you need to believe. And even then, the father says, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Jesus comes in, and I guarantee you, Jesus answered that request right then and there. He gave him more belief because he asked for it. And then he did eventually heal the son. But first, he just drew in close He drew in close in the father's doubt. He didn't say, well, how dare you not believe? I'm out of here. He didn't say, how dare you not believe? If you were a good follower, you would just believe no matter what the circumstances. He reminded him, anything is possible if you believe. And then when the father asked for belief, he granted that belief. And that was all before he ever performed the miracle of driving the spirit out. He just drew in close to that father, which in my opinion, is a miracle in and of itself, that he drew in close and helped with the unbelief before they went any further. And Blake and I experienced that too. Um, We often felt Jesus drawing close to us as we waited. We often felt um, his teaching in our lives. We say now our faith in him is so much stronger our understanding of who he is is so much greater. And by that, we kind of realize we don't understand as well, but that makes our faith or our understanding of him greater. Uh, and we saw each day the little ways he would provide for us. There are days where keeping going for one of us was really hard, and he would give the other one that extra dose to get us both through the day. Um, There were days he would whisper those little encouragements into our ear that helped us hold on and say our next yes that we had to say. Um, He was really close to us in that time. He didn't push us away because we started to wonder, will this ever happen? He didn't push us away because we were tired and feeling like giving up sometimes. He didn't push us away because we doubted his plan. He drew in close and lifted us up further because even if it was the last piece of energy we had, we could go to him and say, we need more of you today because we're at the end of what we have available to us. And some things that helped us along the way to kind of like 
fight this doubt is asking Jesus for help, just like the Father did. You can go to God. You can say, I have doubt. I have doubt. Help me. He's not going to be like, well, how dare you? He's not going to say, well, once you have that doubt figured out, then you can come to me. No, you can say, I have doubt, and he's going to meet you right there. He doesn't want us to have it all together when we come to him. He wants us to come to him, and he'll help us grow our faith in him. Um, you can also, it's, we found it very beneficial to say what we believe out loud. Uh, as a church, we've been going through the Apostles' Creed, um, and I cannot tell you how many times I would say it out loud, or you, there's songs that kind of sing the words of the Apostles' Creed that I would find myself walking around the house singing those songs, because my heart may have not caught up with what my head believed, but my head knows the things about God to be true, and so when you say them or sing them out loud, you're using your ears to hear what you're saying and your mouth to speak them. And that is fighting against those seeds of doubt growing more and more. And so if you are at a point where maybe you can't even muster the strength to go to God and say, help me with my unbelief, start by just saying what you believe, saying those things, and God will be faithful to grow that in you. Um, Another way that you can fight seeds of doubt is through recalling past moments of God's provision. It's really easy to get tunnel vision and focus on the things that are not going right right now. And you forget to look back at the ways he's provided in the past, the ways that he has strengthened your belief in the past, the ways that he has shown himself to be faithful to you in the past. So everything could be going wrong right now. Everything. And you can think that maybe God has left you. But if you recall all the times he has shown up in the past, it will remind you of the character of God over the whole span of his life and your life, not just the right here and now. And if you can't think of times where God has been faithful to you in the past, look to the scriptures because the scriptures have time and time again of God's provision to his people. And you are one of his people, so he is going to provide you with what you need. Um, And that leads into, if you're doubting as much as you don't want to, spend time in prayer and spend time in the scriptures. Prayer is your way to talk to God, for him to speak to you. So maybe you don't have the energy to talk. That's okay. Just sit there and let God speak to you. Maybe you do have the energy to talk and you have a whole litany of things you need to go over with with God. He wants to listen to that too. So pray. Be transparent with God um, in that prayer time. And be in the scriptures because that this is God's word to us. Um, this is what he left us so we could have our anchor to him. So if you're doubting, read. You may not want to. Trust me, there were times I did not want to. Um, But when you do, he is going to speak to you and fill you. um, Maybe not overflowing. I'm not promising you're going to be like jumping for joy in hard times. But he's going to fill you to sustain you. And then lastly, be around people who will encourage you and point you towards God. 
And for those of you who are like me that are more introverted, that's going to be harder because if you're already feeling drained, being around people is the last thing you want to do. And then when you're trying to feel down on yourself and they're trying to encourage you and point you towards God, that might also be the last thing you want to hear. But I guarantee you it is the thing you need to hear. Um, And it will remind you of the bigger picture. So if you can't recall the times of past provision, the people around you, if you are with godly people and fellowship, they're going to help recall that for you. If you don't have the energy to pray, if you're just like, I can't do it, if you're in godly fellowship, the people around you will pray on your behalf. I can't tell you how many times people would do that. We would walk into the office feeling so discouraged, and Pastor Bill and Pastor Cliff would just pray for us. And it always seemed to happen on the days where we didn't really have it left to pray for ourselves. Um, They're going to point you towards God if you are in godly fellowship. So use that tool of encouragement even when you don't want to. And so those are some ways to fight against the doubt that starts to grow in your heart. But the father's doubt wasn't the end of the story. Jesus healed his son. Um, after, the, after Jesus took time to teach the father and be in conversation and come in close to the father, he performed the miracle of driving out the spirit. He showed what he can do, and he did it, and um, he answered that request. And that is a miracle. It was a miracle that God grew his belief, and it was a miracle that he drove out the Spirit. He didn't have to do either one of those things, but because he loved that father and he loved the father's son, he did it. And we were blessed to see miracles in our life, too. Um, Again, just like with the father, we had the miracle of growing in our faith. We had the miracle of Jesus sustaining our belief when we didn't think that we could keep going. Um, I look back and I think, knowing my personality, I don't know how I did that, but I did because Jesus performed a miracle in my spirit and in my heart and my level of belief in him. And then we also um, had the miracle of seeing our family grow. And so... uh, I think a lot of you have seen our two new additions, but um, this is Asha and Preston and then Lucy. And um, that also was a miracle. How they came into our lives was a miracle, um, and how God used that time of growth to get them into our lives was a miracle. When we started back in April, if God had answered our prayer right away of give us a yes, both logistically, because these two would not have been um, being placed for adoption at the time, but also our hearts were not ready to say yes to two children who were older than Lucy. Um, But God knew our hearts needed time. We also, um, in April, would not have had the funds to adopt these two. But through waiting and faithfulness, God provided that as well. Um, He knew what we needed, and even as we said yes to them, he knew we needed to do it in baby steps. Uh, Blake was at a youth group pool party when he first found out about these two, and it was a text that said, you're probably not interested, but would you like more information? And I can't remember if we even knew who was three and who was one, but it was just like a three-year-old and a one-year-old. And Blake called me, and he goes, 
we're probably not interested, right? And we were like, well, I don't know. God's not saying no, because he had very clearly said no on some other cases. So we got more information. And that was a Tuesday afternoon. Wednesday, we found out about another case. And so then it was, uh, what do you do? The other case was more like what we thought. It was a lot less expensive, things like that. Um, But we just kept hearing the Lord point us towards these two. I was getting ready Wednesday morning, and God very clearly placed the question, not a statement, it was a question, but he said, what if these are the kids I have for you? And I know he phrased it as a question on purpose, because if he had made it a statement, I would have freaked out, but it was just a question for me to think about. (laughs) So I thought about it on Wednesday, and we were supposed to have a little bit more time to decide, but Thursday we get the call of like, are you going to present, are you not going to present, And we decided, you know, God has been steering us and leading us. And so we presented, and their mom really liked us. We eventually got to meet her, and we really liked her too. And um, just God brought our family together in that way. But that was a miracle of God growing us um, and bringing these children into our home. And we saw lots of little miracles too along the way. There's way too many stories to count, but we had a place to stay for three weeks, and we never paid for a hotel bill because um, other people graciously opened their home. And we had, like, backup homes. We had the home we stayed in and backup homes. That's how gracious people were. Uh, We were out car seat shopping one day, and we were just, like, overwhelmed, and we get a phone call while we are standing in the aisle at Target trying to decide what car seat we're going to get. And someone said, I would like to send you money for a car seat, and it was almost the exact amount of the car seat we wanted, um, which was just amazing. And there's a whole bunch of stories of little miracles that God worked like that, too. Um, But I want to encourage you that just like the father didn't have a whole lot of belief, he was grasping for what little belief he could. That's, That's where we were, too. We were grasping. But God's ability to work is not dependent on how big or small our belief is in him. He's going to take whatever we can give him and work with it. Um, And that's the real miracle. That's the miracle of the story we read in Mark. The story of how the father's belief grew. Um, I guarantee you, he encountered challenges later in his life. I doubt his life was perfect after that. We don't really know much about him after that. But we do, I can guess, I think pretty safely, that when he experienced challenges later on, he recalled that moment that Jesus grew his belief. And our life isn't going to be easy now. This isn't the last challenge we're going to have experienced. But I guarantee you, we're going to recall this in the future. We're going to recall God's faithfulness, both in the big and the small ways. And I'm optimistic that doubt won't so easily sink in now because I've seen him be faithful here. Um, And so today, you might have a whole garden of doubt growing in you and not very many seeds of belief and hope. And God wants to meet you right there. You might have a whole garden of belief and hope and you're just wanting to ward off against the seeds of doubt before they can even sprout. And God wants to meet you there, too. He wants to meet you wherever you are on that spectrum. But I want you to just ask him 
that's the key. Ask him and then use some of these other tools to really think and use those tools to grow in your belief. And it doesn't mean everything's going to be fixed overnight. It doesn't mean that your life is going to be great as soon as you ask him to come in and grow the seeds of faith and diminish the seeds of doubt. But it does mean that you'll start to see God working. And so um, is it okay if I ask you guys to come up and play a song? So I'm going to have Lisa and the team come up and sing Anchor again. And I want you guys, if you, wherever you are, if you have a whole lot of doubt and not a lot of faith or a whole lot of faith and not a lot of doubt, I want you guys to pray. You can come up to the altar. You can pray in your seat, um, whatever is comfortable for you guys. But I want you guys to just pray and invite God in and be honest with him about where you are and ask him. Ask him to help you with the unbelief in your life, whether it's big or small. Ask him and just wait and see how faithful he is to respond to that.